0: Now, hear the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Je- Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: to God. A few moments ago, you said some words which are incredibly radical. You said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And you may have said them in an only perfunctory way because, well, that's what we always say. But the implications of what we pray when we say your kingdom, not mine, Your will, not mine. And forgive us as we forgive. These are words which shape the consciousness of those who are the followers of Jesus. And yet, when they're actually embodied, when someone does them, well, the internet breaks it did this last week when brant jean who is the brother of botham jean murdered by amber geiger a police officer who turned her weapon in a destructive way against a neighbor and killed her when that victim's brother in the victim impact portion of the trial, was in the stand this last week. He looked over at Amber and he said to her, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I forgive you. And then he turned to the judge and he said, Judge, really, what I'd like to do right now is Get out of the box here and go over there and hug her. And the judge, in a very unusual breaking with protocol, allowed that to happen. And there they stood in the middle of the courtroom embracing and weeping and sharing conversation. Then the judge leaned over the bench and gave to the shooter her personal Bible and said... This book is your assignment for the next 10 years. What kind of people say these things? Who utters those kinds of sentences? Followers of Jesus. The kind of people who, after a white supremacist shoots up Their Wednesday night Bible study in a church in Charleston appear in the courtroom to express forgiveness and love for the shooter. Without diminishing the need for justice in the civil realm, they're expressing something of the fact that they are extending forgiveness. What kind of people do this? The only kind of people who can do this are the kind of people who know how much... They themselves have been forgiven. That is what it means. And why we're dwelling in this passage for a couple of weeks. He rose and followed him on the way. That's how this message ends. There's always a sign in the wonder. There's always a message in the miracle. Jesus doesn't perform a miracle simply to display his power. But he does it to proclaim what it really means to know him, to help us understand who we are. And what happened to Bartimaeus is that he, being healed, followed Jesus on the way. He followed him. This is what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, to be, and here's the word we've been using, to be, A disciple of Jesus. Now again, I still think that many people imagine that the word disciple is a kind of word for super-Christians. There are regular Christians, and then there are people who take this stuff really seriously. And they're disciples. But historically, the word disciple was just the word that was used of all those who were Jesus followers. They were much later, decades later, in Antioch. Wow, way outside Jerusalem, they were called Christians. It's what the world called the disciples. So we are, if we are Christians at all, we are disciples. But again, what does that mean? A disciple, you go, well, that's kind of a religious word, I guess. But really, it's just an ancient Greek term, mathetes, which means an apprentice. What's a disciple? A disciple is an apprentice. What's an apprentice? That's a person who has come under, come under the instruction of a master so that the skill and the character of that master is reproduced in their life. We are Jesus' apprentices. We have come under his masterful hand so that our lives are transformed, so that The way in which he approached life, the way he related to the Father, becomes our way. The way he loved his neighbor becomes the way that we walk. He followed him on the way. Central to this, central to this whole matter of becoming a follower of Jesus in this miracle is the issue of faith. Let me draw your attention to it. Call him, Jesus said to the crowd. This is in verse 49. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Your faith. This blind beggar is expressing faith. Faith is what identifies him as someone who is going to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus invited the rich young ruler to come and follow him. Sell everything you have, come and follow me. And he went away sad. This man heard that Jesus was going by and he cries out to him. He had faith. Now, of course, when people talk about faith today, I'm not sure they really understand what they're talking about. Sometimes you'll even hear people say, you Christians are people who have blind faith. Well... With regard to Bartimaeus, that would be true. But what people mean by blind faith is usually sent as an insult. I was having a conversation with another student back in student days, and he was saying to me, you just have blind faith. And what he meant by that, what he meant by that is that Christian faith was not intellectually vigorous. That because it could not be proven in a science lab, in a repeatable experiment, and verified in that way, that it wasn't, therefore, something which was the kind of thing upon which one could build one's life. But a few years prior to that, another young man had been at Oxford named Alistair McGrath. He was from Belfast in Northern Ireland, and he was an atheist. He came to a different conclusion as a scientist about faith. And I should mention a couple of things about McGrath. He ended up with three PhDs from Oxford University, which isn't bad. The first one in molecular biophysics, the second one in theology, and the third a doctor of letters in intellectual history. He did his undergrad work getting a first in chemistry. There at Oxford he's the author of over 40 different books and when he writes his testimony he says when I realized that a love of science allowed much greater freedom of interpretation of reality than I'd been led to believe I began to explore alternative ways of looking at things I had been severely critical of Christianity but had never extended the same critical evaluation to atheism tending to assume it was self-evidently correct. But the foundations of those assumptions for McGrath began to crumble in 1971. And he writes, I was discovering that Christianity was far more robust intellectually than I'd ever imagined. I had some major rethinking to do. And by the end of November, my decision had been made. I turned my back on one faith, atheism, to embrace another, Christian faith. It did not take me long to begin to appreciate the intellectual capaciousness of the Christian faith. Not merely was it rationally and evidentially well-grounded. It was ennobling and enriching. Here was a lens which enabled reality to be brought into sharp focus, a source of intellectual illumination which allowed me to see in the world of nature details and interconnections that I would otherwise have missed altogether. The Christian faith both made sense in itself and made sense of the things I saw in the world. When someone says you have blind faith... And they mean by that, that Christian faith is unreasonable, that it is intellectually vacuous. They could not be more mistaken. Now, if by it they mean that we believe in one whom we have not seen physically, that's fair enough. That kind of faith is indeed called blessed. Thomas, the Apostle, was not present when Jesus, raised from the dead, appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. And he said, unless I see him, unless I I put my hands into his wounded side and the nail holes in his feet and in his hands, I will not believe. About a week later, Thomas is there with the rest of the apostles and Jesus shows up. And Thomas sees him standing there and said... Crumbs, or something like that. And Jesus said, Thomas, put your hands here. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, that's right. You believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. Blessed. I've never seen Jesus with my physical eyes. I've never seen an angel. I've seen the evidence of their work. I've seen the evidence for the resurrection. I've seen the evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity in people's lives. These are sufficient to point me to the veracity of Scripture and why I can build my life not on my changing emotions or my experiences, but on the unchanging revelation of Jesus' teaching, the rock on which a person can actually build their life. That is reasonable. That is right. But I've never seen him. But believing before seeing is the biblical pattern. The psalmist said, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Jesus has one of his best friends die, Lazarus, and he's called the Lazarus tomb. And he says to Lazarus' sister Martha, who is weeping, And grieved and says to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says to her, didn't I always tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. Believing comes before seeing. And so they went to the the tomb and Jesus said, roll the stone away. Martha said, "Well, you we know, want to roll the stone away. It's going to be a stench." Jesus didn't say, "No, no, no. There won't be any stench." He was dead, but Jesus called him out. Lazarus, come out! They moved the stone out. He came, and awe came upon all. Believing comes before seeing. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, "We walk by faith, not by sight." This kind of faith is a gift. Paul writes in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. How does faith come? Faith faith is birthed in the human soul through the power of the Holy Spirit hovering over the Word of God. Just like what happened in creation where the Spirit is hovering over the chaos. And then God speaks and beauty emerges that's how faith is, is born in the human soul. Paul in Romans says, how can people believe in whom whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? For faith, Romans 10, 17, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. That's why in this text it says that Bartimaeus is sitting there by the roadside And in verse 17, verse 47, rather, he heard that Jesus was passing by. And when he heard of Jesus, he heard about Jesus in the atmosphere of the Spirit's work, and he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is faith. Your faith is has made you well, Jesus says. What does faith look like? What does biblical faith look like? You see, sometimes I think people imagine that it is just checking the boxes intellectually on assertions which are orthodox. Well, it's vital that we know what those orthodox truths are. And it is certainly true that we should be embracing them and conforming our thinking to orthodoxy. That's certainly true. But you need to know that there is no more important or better theologian than the devil himself. He is a very fine scholar and a very accurate theologian, but it will not save him. No amount of... Theological accuracy will not save you because entrance into heaven is not based on passing an exam. How many of you said, thank God? Well, not that kind of exam. Your faith has saved you. Faith arises in the soul, in the heart. It's the instrument that allows us to receive the blessings of God. God does not look at your faith and say, look at that great faith and saves you. Your faith may be weak or it may be strong. What you have is a strong savior. And your faith, even weak faith, rests in what he has done. Bartimaeus hears and cries out. What does faith do? Let me give you just a few things that real saving faith does. The first thing is it hears and hopes. It hears and hopes. He hears of Jesus. He does not know that Jesus will stop. He does not know for certain that his eyes will be opened. He hopes that they will be. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It's by faith. Faith hears and hopes. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Listen to that progression. Faith comes by hearing. But hearing comes by the word of God. The Bible was not first written to be read, but written to be heard. There were very few people who were literate when the text is given to that ancient community. But the but the priests would read it and the prophets would read it and the rabbis would read it. And faith came by hearing. But hearing came by the word of God. The, the eye is the window of the soul, yes. But the ear is the gateway to the soul. Can I ask you a question? What are you giving your ears to? Because you will have faith for what you give your ears to. Faith comes by hearing. Do you hear, do you give your ears to the profane? Do you give your ears to the gossip, to the lies, to accusations? Is that what you spend your your time listening to? Or do you listen, do you incline your ear to the word of God? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing, spiritual hearing, comes by the word. And that is why it's vital for Christians, those who are followers of Jesus, if they want their faith to grow, to give their ears to the Scriptures, to hearing them, to refusing to listen to the anxiety-inducing and shame-creating accuser and liar and murderer who is always trying to seduce our ears into giving our minds to the things which do not profit. But if we will give our ears to the truth of God, we'll cultivate hearing so that when, like Elijah, God comes to us, we don't hear him in the storm or in the earthquake or in the fire, but in the what? Still, small voice. The whisper of the Almighty is heard and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He heard that Jesus was passing by. Here's the second thing that faith does. Faith not only hears and hopes, faith rises in response. It says that he he cast off his cloak. He's calling for you. So he cast off his cloak and he came to Jesus. Faith When summoned, throws everything aside and comes to Jesus. Don't miss that text that he threw off that cloak. In biblical terms, that cloak, my friends, he's a beggar. He's a blind beggar. That cloak is all he has in this world. In fact, that cloak is protected by biblical law. If you go back into the Old Testament, you'll read there about those who are in exactly this condition. And if they pawn their coat, so they have some resources by which they can buy food, the person to whom they pawn it has to give it back to them that night, even if they can't repay the loan, because it's the only thing they have in the world. When Bartimaeus... Heard Jesus call for him. He tossed aside that coat. What did Bartimaeus give up to go to Jesus? He gave up everything he had. He tossed it aside. In my sanctified imagination, I always think that there's a museum in heaven. And in this museum in heaven, there's a, there's a water pot that the, That that belonged to the Samaritan woman that she left behind. It's called the Left Behind Museum. It has nothing to do with the Left Behind series, which is a wretched and horrid thing. But this, this, this Left Behind, this Left Behind Museum is all the stuff people let go of. Here's this, here's this vessel that the Samaritan woman had been using to get water. She just left it. Here are the fishing nets that Peter. And James and John and Andrew, just they just left them because they, they went to follow Jesus. Here's the coat of Bartimaeus, the only thing that he had in the world. Here's a box full of the reputation of St. Paul that he left behind to follow Jesus. Can I ask you a question this morning? When you go to that museum, is there going to be anything in there from you? What you left to follow Christ. What does faith look like? Faith hears and hopes. Faith rises and responds. The rich young ruler said, I don't want it and went away. Much American consumeristic Christianity thinks that Jesus has come to add more to your life, but to, to, to give you this and to give you that. That's Santa Claus, not Jesus. Jesus said, no one of you can be my methetes, my apprentice, who does not first give up a couple of things. No. He said, who does not first give up? Everything. He left it all. What does faith look like? Faith rises and responds. Let me give you one last thing. Faith not only hears and hopes and rises in response, faith receives and follows. He walks up to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't lay his hands on him. He doesn't do anything that we might imagine would restore his sight. He just speaks it. And Bartimaeus receives it. And he follows him on the way. What is faith? Faith is following after Jesus. It's following him. It goes after him. Where were they going? It was the Jericho Road. They were right outside the gate of Jericho. And it's about an 18-mile road, uphill, very difficult ascent to Jerusalem. And when you leave Mark 10, 52 and turn to 11, 1, you'll see Jesus entering Jerusalem and people laying their coats in the road and saying Hosanna to the son of David because Jesus was on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem to go to the cross. And when Bartimaeus said, I'll follow you, he said, I'll follow you to the cross. What does it mean to be a Christian? I think some people imagine that being a Christian means I've got my get out of hell free card, and now I can just live however I want. St. Augustine said, Love God and do what you want. And he's right. But the want to has been changed by grace so that we want the things he wants and we forsake the things he hates. And we follow him. We follow him all the way to the cross because when we stand there at the foot of the cross and we look upon the horror of that moment, we see our redemption and in the blood of Christ our freedom and our forgiveness. The kind of mercy that said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that word of mercy has gone down through the centuries and ends up in a courtroom that says, I want to hug her and tell her I forgive her, the person who killed my sister. Because that is Christian faith. Christian faith follows. It becomes like the master. Can I ask you a question? Do you this morning just have religion? You got yourself a little dose of religion? Because you could buy it here in the Bible Belt cheap. Or have you said yes to Jesus? Not blind faith, but the faith of the blind who say, Jesus Have mercy on me. Because once you say yes to Jesus, you will find that He is the only one worthy of following.